evening, church. Great to be here. Again, good to see all of you You here this evening. Uh, just not muted. Is it good? Anyone hear me? <clears throat> all right. Theme of our message this evening is, There is an unrighteous judgment. Text taken out of Matthew 7, 1 through 5. This is text that's used a lot uh, about judging, that you're not judged. And uh, the main idea here is this unrighteous judgment, a hypocritical uh, judging. And a lot of times we preach sermons about righteous judgment, uh, but tonight let's uh, use these three points and some sub-points here and talk about un. Righteous judgment. <clears throat> Matthew 7, 1 through 5, reading from the New American Standard. It says, Do not judge, lest you be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And why do you look at the speck? That is in your brother's eye. But do not notice the log. Some translations say plank. That is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother. Let me take that speck out of your eye. And behold the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly. To take the speck out of your brother's eye. Talking about judgment before, I've used this illustration, but uh, it's a perfect illustration for this sermon. There was a man who was leaving midweek Bible study on a rainy day. At the door, he reached over for what he thought was his umbrella. And um, when he did, uh, one of the ladies standing there by the door really jumped on him, reprimanded him for taking his umbrella. The man tried his best to apologize and explain, but to no avail. But, she, but uh, it's still being a rainy day and realizing he needed an umbrella as he walked home uh, in the rain, getting wet. He went by a store and looked in and there's umbrellas. And uh, there they are on sale. So he went in to buy one. And he thought, you know what? This is a really good buy. Maybe I ought to buy an extra one. And then after thinking about it a little bit more, he said, you know what? I ought to buy one and leave it at the building. In case if it starts raining when I'm there, I'll, I'll have another umbrella there. So this won't happen again. So he buys the umbrellas. They're too large to be able to put in a bag. He takes the receipt, puts it in his pocket. He's happy, and he's walking down the road, and he turns the corner, and lo and behold, <laughs> there's the woman that jumped him at church. And uh, when he saw her, she looked at him and did a quick once-over on him, checking him out, and said, I see that you had a good day after all. Church, this is unrighteous judgment. 
that this lady made. She assumed she knew that this man stole these umbrellas off of someone. And then, without all the facts and information, she verbally attacks him. We need to be very careful because this can happen to us. When we assume that we know everything about a given issue, and in reality, we do not have all the facts needed to be able to make a proper judgment. So let's notice what the Bible teaches on this subject. And again, it's not exhaustive, but this should give us a good idea uh, what unrighteous judgment is. So first off, what is unrighteous judgment? Well, I gave you a, a good story there. Again, if this woman would have found out that the guy bought those umbrellas, maybe she wouldn't have did what she did. But unrighteous judgment is finding fault. It's condemning people, maybe to hell. Or it's picking on people, jumping on others for your own benefit and enjoyment, aiming to hurt others with your speech, and with your actions. Luke writes in Luke 6, 36 and 37, Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you'll be pardoned. If you have ever known the feeling of being rather pleased when you hear something bad has happened to someone that you really don't like. And there is immediate sense of pleasure. This is the condition that can lead to an unrighteous judgment. Why should you be happy or pleased if something bad happens to somebody? That's not a good thing. Is that a Christian thing to do? No. Proverbs 24, verse 17 and 18 says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased. What do you mean the Lord see it and be displeased? That you're rejoicing over your enemy fallen. It's not a good thing. It makes God happy when we have that type of attitude and behavior. And it goes on and says, and he turned away his anger from him. You see, this passage in Proverbs clearly tells us not to rejoice over our enemy falling, not be glad if they do fall. God is displeased when we do that, when anybody would do it, but especially his children, Christians. Remember our New Testament teaching concerning our enemies. We're told to love our enemies and to pray for our enemies. Matthew 5, 44. I know that that's a hard thing to do at times. But let's not sin and have an unrighteous attitude and judgment like we're talking about here. A perfect example of unrighteous judgment would be found in the two men who went into the temple in Luke 18, 10 through 14, the Pharisee and the tax gatherer. Luke 18, 10 through 14 says this, Two men went up to the temple to pray, 
one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying thus to himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not like other people. Wow, this guy really thought highly of himself, didn't he? <laughs> He's praying, I'm glad I'm not like everybody else. And then he begins to describe these people, just in case doesn't, God doesn't know who these people are. And he says, like the swindlers and the unjust and the adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here, this tax gatherer. Now, he will begin to describe his righteousness to God. I fast twice a week. I, I pay tithes of all that I get. So this guy, again, he really thought he was something. But the tax gatherer, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. The tax gatherer, the sinner, he went home justified. The other guy that thought so highly of himself, the Pharisee, didn't. Interesting. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, but he who humbles himself shall be exalted. You know, these are those with like a legalistic mindset. They trust in their own righteousness while they condemn others. The sad thing was that this Pharisee, even though he was somewhat righteous, he was all in vain. This is unrighteous judging. And we would maybe want to say, maybe we better be able to understand it as condemning. He was condemning other people, naming all their sins, condemning this tax gatherer. Did he really know this man's heart and mind? Is he God that he would have that type of knowledge? Or any of us, do we have that knowledge that God has? Do we know what's in their heart and mind? Do we have all the facts on a given matter? If not, we shouldn't talk. We shouldn't condemn. We shouldn't bring people down that way. Church, may we never forget that even God, he never sent Jesus to condemn the world. But instead, what? What did he do? John 3, 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He sent Jesus to save sinners. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. You see, when people are involved in unrighteous judging, they're not looking at others in order to minister to their needs but instead to find their faults, only to condemn them, and all the while making themselves appear a little bit more righteous. Isn't that what the Pharisees would do? They'd put their robes on and their flackeries, they'd paint their face white and stand out on the street corner and hold their hands up and pray, and they wanted everybody to notice them. And 
uh, know that they were fasting and that they were praying. But Jesus says, no, go into your prayer closet. Go pray with me in secret and, and pray the things that you need to do. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to have public prayer or a congregation of believers to, to pray together. I'm not saying that. But we see here that this is unrighteous judgment. This is where these people need to remember that when they have one finger pointing out, how many are pointing back at me? Three. The Pharisee, he's pointing one at the tax gatherer, and he got three. He's pointing about, yeah, maybe we would consider the tax gatherer or whatever he did. We don't know all the information. Maybe he did have a plank in his eye. Maybe it was just the speck. But he needed to get the speck out of his own eye, the Pharisee, or excuse, the log, and the plank out of his own eye before he starts judging someone else's servant. Secondly, why is this a wrong thing to do? May we never forget, there's only one judge. And guess what? You're not it. I'm not it. Christ is our judge. James says it this way in James 4.12. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? As I said earlier, there is a righteous judgment where one determines if something is right or wrong. But do not try and judge a person's relationship with God. How, how can we do that? For God only will take care of that. Besides, God knows all things. He knows every hidden thing. And he knows all the details. This eternal and final judgment ultimately belongs to none other than God himself. Romans 14.4 says, Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls. And stand he will. For the Lord is able to make him stand. Even Jesus said in John 5.30, I can do nothing on my own initiative initiative. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just. Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent him. He's seeking to do the will of the Father and do what he would have us to do. I guess this is why we often ask, you know, what's the person's agenda? You know, what's their motive by saying these things or condemning someone or having an unrighteous judgment? And again, why should we just sit around debating whether someone is going to heaven or hell and giving reasons why we feel that way? Again, we don't know a person's heart. We don't know a person's mind. Only God does. Only God knows the secret things. Are you walking around with that person all the time, holding their hand, seeing every single thing that they do? God sees everything that we do. We don't, so how can we make that type of judgment? Now, you know, it 
does not matter again what we think. God is the judge and knows all things. And he is just. He is a righteous judge. And again, let's leave it to him. He's going to take care of it. And ultimately, he will take care of it at the judgment day. You see, it's, it is not wrong for a person to judge and condemn a person. You see, <clears throat> I misspoke there. You see, it is not only wrong for a person to judge and condemn a person or to place them in hell at their funeral. But it's also wrong for a person to judge them and preach them into heaven. And preachers need to, to think about that when they're preaching. You know, that person's dead and they're now with the Lord and the Lord's going to handle the situation. Uh, we may be able to comment about what we know. Hey, the person was faithful at church. We know they were immersed. And uh, we believe and trust in the, the hope and promises of God. We believe that they're there. But ultimately, God's the one who is going to have to judge the matter. You know, and so many are quick to condemn the Christian who discerns the spiritual, spiritual condition of those in sin or those who are not faithful. Then they turn around and condone the acts of the unrighteous. This is the worst form of judging. This gives people a false hope of salvation based upon what you think or feel and not upon the word of God. Remember, this is up to God. It's not up to you and it's not up to me. However, it is very wise for each of us to analyze where people stand with God. And if we feel there may be some small chance that they may not be pleasing to God, then we need to tell the others. Tell that other person. We need to go to them, not announce it in the vestibule for everybody to hear out in the foyer, but go to them in private and talk to them and say, hey, you doing okay? Is this going on? Is this happening? If so, can I help you? You know, uh, so there's a way of doing it. And also, if there is an, an open, blatant transgression of God's word, then people, again, need to be told privately and given the opportunity to be able to repent. And then after a reasonable amount of time, if you can't get them to repent, according to Corinthians, then church discipline may be needed. And why would you do that type of judgment or carry out judgment? Uh, that type of judgment, it's to get them to repent, to see the seriousness of their sin. And that's the last resort. That's the last possible thing that you want to do to come to that point. Remember, we're talking about people having unrighteous judgment, not righteous judgment, that God's word does instruct us on. Remember, in our text, the passage is condemning unrighteous, hypocritical judgment. Because later in the same passage, if you read a little bit further down, it tells us to not cast our pearls before swine. And what is holy before the dogs? Well, then we must judge 
to be able to tell who the swine are or who the judges are. Also, we must be able to judge the false teachers if you go a little bit further in the passage. These false teachers and false prophets, we can judge their tree and see if they have good fruit or bad fruit, if they have good teachings or if it's bad teachings that's not lining up with God's word. That's righteous judgment based upon the word. So God has instructed that there are times for examination and judging, but we need to be, again, very careful and base it solely upon God's word. Thirdly, and we have three sub-points under this, why do some practice unrighteous judgment? Why some people do this? Well, to make themselves feel righteous. Quite often, it's an attempt to cover up one's wrongdoings. People love to point the finger at others, for in so doing, it takes the attention off of them and what they're doing. However, remember how Jesus handled a situation when the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman caught in the very act of adultery to him. Remember what Jesus said there in John 8, the seventh verse, part B of that verse? He said, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at him. And then he knelt down and started writing there in the the dirt or the sand that was there. And I like to think he was started with the older one and wrote sins that he had and went down through the list because it said from the oldest to the youngest, they walked away and none of them cast stones. You see, they had logs in their eyes that they needed to remove. And here they brought this woman and said, eh, kill her. She deserves to be stoned. When they also had issues, which again, we don't know what they all were, but they all walked away. So this spirit is a self-righteous spirit that these men had here coming to Jesus. A feeling of superiority that their house was well. They were okay, but we see that it wasn't. So we see that uh, why do some practice this? It's to make themselves feel righteous, but also it's to gossip and run people down. A good example of this is where a woman, she was looking out of her window late one night and she saw her teenage neighbor's daughter coming home and being let out of a police car. Her hair was all messed up. Her clothes were messed up. She was making her way to the door and she stumbled, almost falling. Immediately, the nosy neighbor came to an unrighteous judgment. She then decided not to help, but to condemn the girl and was quick to pick up her phone and tell everyone about this girl who was found drunk and had to be brought home by the police. How does she know she was found drunk? She was brought home by the police. Though days later, a few of these people came to find out the truth of the matter was that she had been in a car wreck. 
And instead of this girl being drunk, she was a courageous young girl who risked her life to free others who were trapped in the wreckage and in the car. So she was beat up and hurt and upset about what took place. You see, it's much easier to just judge the, the way that you think it is and always assume the worst of people rather than investigate and be aware of all the facts. These individuals are quick to gossip and to share what they think they know or what they have heard or seen. Somebody's alarm go off. That's somebody's car right there. I don't know if you want to check. Josh says, it's mine. <laughs> All right, we're going to get a color and what it is. So these individuals are quick to gossip, having heard or seen all they think that they need in order to pass their own judgment. These individuals require no further details, and they reject any explanation and even refuse to listen to any reasoning. Their mind's made up, and that's that. The Bible says in John seven fifty one, Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears him and knows what he is doing. Does it? You see, so back then, John the Apostle was writing and saying, hey, we don't just condemn a person. First, they need to be allowed to be able to have their day in court. Do we not have the same thing? That way, whatever happened, and these people could say they did this, that, or the other, whatever. We have, this, we have the gun. We have the fingerprints. We have blood found in the person's car. He has no alibi between this time. But still, that person that did this crime, what? They're able to have a defendant and someone say, you know, whatever they want to say. They still may be guilty and go to jail, but they at least are allowed to give their side of the story. And a lot of times when unrighteous judgment's made, we get one side of the story and people don't want to hear the rest of the information. They don't want to hear all the facts. And that's not good. We need all the facts. I've heard it said, and maybe you have before, it's an awfully thin board that only has one side. You see, you need both sides of the story or the account, all the facts before you can come up with a, a judgment. And again, if people need all the facts before they start gossiping or putting other people down for their own benefit or agenda. And thirdly, why do people practice this unrighteous judgment? Because they just love to criticize. These individuals are those who tell people what they want to hear, and they enjoy every bit of it. They approach any situation expecting to find fault and even hoping to find it. This is why this unrighteous judgment is so wrong, because they are not out to help, but to criticize and to tear people down. This attitude of criticism is only out to condemn and to bring hurt to a person instead of helping to get rid of the sin. 
So the person may be able to be cleansed and have a time to repent and be saved. Even in a court of law, if they find out that a member of the jury could possibly show any favoritism or hatred towards the person that's on trial, that person is disqualified and they're removed from the jury. They're not allowed to sit there on the jury. They desire people who are impartial. The best way to understand this spirit is to compare this attitude of criticism with that of love. When we look at the love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, verse 7 says this, Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. Our love for others should be one that bears, believes, hopes, and endures all things. This is what people need and what can be helpful in a person's life, not an attitude and spirit which is always seeking the worst. The spirit of criticism, it hopes for the worst. Those who have this attitude of unrighteous judgment get malicious satisfaction in finding fault and, and hurting people. That's, it's not a good thing. They are always expecting to find the worst and are almost disappointed if they do not find something wrong. Psalms 34, 13 says, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile or speaking lies. This attitude of criticism will only rob a person of happiness. Another example of this unrighteous judging is when the self-righteous Pharisees criticized the disciples of Jesus for not participating in their tradition of washing their hands. According to the tradition, the Pharisees would wash their hands and then they would raise their hands in the air and they'd allow the water to drip down and drip down off their elbows. So how do we know the apostles or the 12 disciples didn't wash their hands they just didn't hold their hands up like the pharisees saying like oh look i'm a good boy i wash my hands and see what i'm doing so according to the tradition the pharisees would wash their hands raising their elbows in the air and letting the water drip off them and this does not imply the disciples of jesus were dirty or that they didn't wash, but that they did not do so in the manner which the Pharisees thought that it should be done. Matthew 15, 1 through 11. And James chapter 4, verse 11 says, Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. Do not judge, lest you be judged. Do not judge with an unrighteous judgment so that you're judged. 
Don't judge people hypocritically so that you're judged. Because I taught you tonight also that we can judge if we're judging according to God's word and we have all the facts and the information. In conclusion, church, let's not have an unrighteous judgment and attitude. Why? Because it's sinful, it's hurtful, it's not proper for a Christian. This attitude displeases God and only destroys people and brings them down. If you have this problem, then repent of it. Start being helpful to others. Show more grace and more mercy and more compassion and more Christian love to people. And if you're here tonight and you are outside of Christ, never been obedient to the gospel, then why not obey now? Today is the day of salvation, the scripture says. And do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Will you confess him before men? And uh, if we do, he'll confess us before the Father who is in heaven. And will you repent of your past sins? Turn from those things. Turn to God. And then will you be immersed for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit? And after you become a Christian, we then live a faithful life, faithful Christian life until your death or until Christ returns so that you receive the crown of life. If you are here, you're ready to make this decision tonight, won't you please come? We have robes that are ready, water's warm. We can take your confession in a matter of minutes and uh, go back and change and have you immersed into Christ if that would be your desire this evening.